All right, you can't see me, but you can hear me. I'm Travis with Oscar Mike Radio. Oscar Mike Radio is part of the Hubuzu Network. You can find out more on hubuzu.com. This is number 299. And you can't see me, but I'm here. I'm on the corner of 139 in Old Randolph in Abington, Massachusetts by the Richard Fitz Senior Memorial. And on your left and on the right are two men who are involved in a story I've been covering for quite some time. Richard Fitz Jr. on, on your left, Austin Fitz on your right. Welcome to Oscar Mike Radio. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Oh, please don't call me, sir. Richard, know me too long. <laughs> so I am just honored to have you both down here on a weeknight. The sun's not even down yet, but we're talking here. This story of 21 years of folded flag is still being told. Yes, sir. So for those who don't know the story, just give me a cliff notes version of what your story is, and then we'll go into what Austin thinks about all this. 21 years a folded flag is basically centered around the story of my father and his service. Um, and the fact that uh, he was technically classified as missing in action. Uh, and this event that caused that happened in 1968 when I was two years old. Uh, however, it took many, many years, uh, decades to find out what really happened. And uh, the reason that was is because my father was uh, in, a, uh, in a unit, operating in a unit that was uh, highly classified and sworn to secrecy for over 20, 20 years. So when uh, the event that happened that caused his status as missing, they really uh, could not uh, be forthcoming with the truth. So 21 Years of Folded Flag was a film that I put together uh, trying to gather the information and tell the story. And, um, and that's where we're at. Well, we're, we're at 2022. It's, it's June right now. We're, we're missing Mistress Carrie for this. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But we're here right now. And, and, you know, this is a generational story that started off with your father and in, in serving as a Green Beret in, in Vietnam. You've told this story. But, you know, one person I've seen throughout all this is your son, Austin Fitz. Absolutely. And, yep. you know, one of the things we talked about before is with your story is sometimes we don't hear from the children a whole right. lot. And so you, 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 you approach Austin about this and, you know, kind of Austin, you know, you've seen your dad work to tell his story. Absolutely. You, you've never met your grandfather before. No, sir. No, sir. Please don't call me, sir. I'm a Lance Corporal. I work for a living. <laughs> I love you. Um, <laughs> what's that been like? Take us back to when your father started doing this started the journey of 21 years yes um this I, i've been very much so a sidelines figure here uh this hasn't been something i've been super hands-on involved with as far as any of the production of the movie uh i had a couple of things i did some uh cameos i guess you could yep. say doing some filming in vermont up there that was good um and i've i've seen his journey from the start to finish as far as when it was just an idea in his head to you know submitting the movie to film festivals and such now he's working very closely with you and, and how you've been helping him and my opinion on it all it's it's been one of the most impressive undertakings that i've ever seen anybody do he always told me growing up when i was a kid how 
his father was he was in SOG, he was a Green Beret, he was this, he was that, almost godlike to me because I would never meet this man, I never knew. Um, and there was a, a bunch of fractured stories um, through the years that, that, you know, oh, he was put in for the Silver Star and here's the, the official uh, notice and oh, here's the story of how he got his Bronze Star and his Purple Heart and this. Nothing was ever put together in its entirety and you know it was kind of hard for my father to tell his story as well in all this and what i think that is so impressive about this movie and so astounding is that in many ways he was able to draw attention to his father and, and what he had done but also his own story and shed light on others who might be in a similar boat and seeing that happen from the sidelines has just been something to behold to be honest with you it, it's it's hard to explain in fact to, i was trying to think about what i was going to say to that question and it's it's there's where do i start well we're starting right here tonight at this memorial in abington thousands of people you're going to hear it probably in the in the in the video are driving past us right now for both of you take a crack at this what do you want somebody to think when they see this memorial as they're driving by well, that's very complicated and simple at the same time. Like you said, thousands see it. This this is a very high traffic area. Um, so what I would I would like is somebody for one to ask the question. They see what's going on here and they ask the question, what is the story? They go by and they see. I mean, there's probably tons of people that live in the area that get numb to it and and drive by it, but. The first thing, like I said, like I said, was ask that story. What is that about? That's one thing that I get from this memorial, um, and and others should as well. Uh, you have to keep those names alive. You know, getting back to your question about, you know, what what my son thought about this movie. I mean, this this whole idea is not just me, not just my father. It's it's for him. It's for future. It's for people to understand that the story has to be told. Something that was so classified that couldn't even be told to the, the family. Um, now that we can, then it should be open and those discussions and those stories should be alive. He should be able to have that knowledge and that lineage and know what it's about so he can take it uh and and pass it down you know he never met his grandfather but technically neither did i so it it's a it's a journey and a, a a uh undertaking that is for the future and the same with this memorial corner it's, it's the same idea people had the thought to put this corner together as they have in many other instances that here it is and hey pay attention to the story this there's, there's a whole story here there's lives here there's families here and there's also legacy and there's also sacrifice here and there's freedom here and that's what it's all about what what goes through your mind as you you came here tonight at this memorial, Austin. Um, what goes through my mind in relation to your last question is, yeah, yeah what he just, 
I think he hit the nail on the head, absolutely. One thing that I want to elaborate a little bit more on that I've been thinking um, since you asked that was there's a lot of locals in this area who do know the story. Um, and I think that this memorial serves as a great reminder for them um, to one day pass that story on, to bring it up in conversation, to say, oh, well, there was this gentleman who was from this town. He was, uh, he was in SOG, he was a Green Beret, and he was missing in action for 21 years. And that, I think, highlights uh, an issue with a lot of things. We have so many soldiers, so many Marines, so many seamen, so many airmen who go missing in action and are never found and aren't reported on or told their whereabouts until X amount of years later. And I think that's something that not only needs to be addressed, um, but it leaves families at a loss. And this, this memorial is a reminder that a, not all hope is lost for those families, but B, these people, they are found, you know, and there's a story to be told for everybody. And I think my grandfather is just one of those many, many stories. And I think this memorial symbolizes that in a, in a great way. I really do. And I, I'm, I'm happy this memorial is here for that reason. Absolutely. And, and you mentioned a lot of locals know the story. And, and when I talk to some of the locals like, uh, you know, John Beadle Jr., you know, he was in Vietnam. He, he, he tells a lot of the same stories. Um, as these stories are being told, though, there's a new bunch of people, a new group of people being exposed to the story because of the film and your grandfather's and father's legacy. What's it like telling that story to somebody new for the first time? For me, it's a sense of pride, which I think, you know, uh, goes hand in hand with even the local the town about the story and quite frankly goes hand to hand with all the crowds that I've met, the people I've, you know, uh, hung out with, the people, uh, gentlemen I've interviewed, there is a huge amount of honor and pride that goes along with this. And, um, you know, to kind of get off the subject, it's, In a way, I don't know how to answer it because there's so many, you know, there's so many answers to that. There's so many. Do you want to take like some of that? Yeah, take a breath. I feel like it depends on who you tell the story to exactly. the first time. You know, um, I, I have quite a few friends who are interested in it. You know, you do some of the work with the parades and, and the USB in the area. Yeah, we have that conversation. A lot of those friends have military families, so it's easier and more palpable or palatable to, to introduce that story. But a lot of times when you initially start the story, hey, something you might not know about is that certain, you know, what do you call them, operators or servicemen in certain areas many years ago were doing things that weren't declassified. So here's why we only found out, you know, about his whereabouts and his death 21 years later. And that's a whole can of worms that you have to go down a rabbit hole with. So, you know, it's... And that's exactly why it was difficult to answer because... Mm -hmm. There's, you can tell a general story about this. Yeah. And you don't want to belittle it. It's great that people know about it. When you start to get into the details on how unique and rare this story is, mm -hmm. um, Travis, you can attest to that. Being in the military, you know that this is, these situations, this particular unit that my father was in was so rare. They, there was no way they were doing this stuff today. I mean, this is just, you know, it was all volunteer, et cetera, but it was just so, it's unheard of. And 
as crazy as it sounds, this was stuff that it would make a Rambo movie look like Bambi. Because it was all real. It was all real. And you would never, ever expect it. So you don't want to be a person that brags, but there's a certain amount of pride. And you kind of, in a way, you you really want to peep, you want to make aware, not just because I'm his son, this is his grandson. It's not just because of that. It's about what the level of what they were willing to do for our freedom is unheard of. You know, yes, you have a few here and there, but this was, you know, completely off the charts in a way. And like mm -hmm. you said, all true. All true. Yeah. You know, this wasn't some Hollywood writer somewhere. I mean, I'm, I'm you know, looking over the paperwork that you have on your father and some of the things that you've shown me and platoon apocalypse now doesn't come close to that doesn't come close to that um you know austin you're you're growing up and you may get married you may you may give your make your dad a grandfather one day think about that <laughs> what may happen it may not happen i mean you know i gotta ask this have you ever thought about you know telling your son about your you know grandfather's story or your or your daughter to be honest with you, that thought crosses my mind probably once a week. If I ever did have kids, how would I? Because the way that he told me the story, like I said initially here in the opening, was that it, my grandfather was almost deified in my head because it was it, it was legendary status of this top secret warrior, you know, with a group of other guys just like him who would go and do these incredible things. Um, and then just the gravity of the story behind that and, you know, after his death, so when, in the event that I did have children, um, thinking, how would I replicate that gravity, you know, when it's another generation removed from this, from this guy, from this, this godlike figure, if you, you understand. So there is such an importance to that. So how would I, how would I tell them? I, I would definitely point them in the direction of the documentary first watch this if you have questions we'll speak later but it's it's such a tough thing that's that's a tough one to answer right off the well so, so here's quickly. maybe another tough one but one I, I i i've definitely asked your father a couple times for me when i heard your grandfather's voice for the first time mm -hmm. and 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 your father and, and rudy had done all this work with the sound to get his voice back right it it, it chilled me to the bone what was your reaction when you first heard your grandfather's voice in that way? It brought the the godlike figure to a human perspective. You know, it became it, real. It became real. Exactly. It was, this was this was a guy. This was my grandfather. This is what he sounded like. And to me, in my head, it was. I just started playing images of like this is the voice that he was going around every day talking to people doing the things that he did before and during the military and that this is my grandfather and like you said it was um chilling it was jaw dropping it was definitely a, definitely a trip something that i wouldn't have i didn't expect that to be in the documentary neither did you that was kind of a it for me it all depended on and maybe it's because of my musical background or my ears but 
it all depended on how good it came across, how well we were able to repair the sound and get it back to what it was. Mm -hmm. I had a lot of um, instincts about what I should do to this uh, sound and the voice. In particular, you know, some tech talk. I wanted to drop it a pitch because uh, back in the day, the reel-to-reel uh, -reel decks sometimes would play at a higher speed or an inconsistent speed. So if anybody knows anything about that, if the, the speed is faster, the pitch rises uh, and vice versa. Um, and then you can, if it's intermittent, you get this weird warbly sound. So for me, I was willing to deal with some of that just to get the emotion and the realness out of, out of it. However, I was more than blown away with the end result. Yeah. I mean, you, you the the people that ha that helped me work on that and Rudy, uh, there was that was a three to four stage uh, uh, repair. That uh, that's how many different people I had involved. And I uh, would take it to one, got it to a certain point, and at the end it was just impeccable how well they did it. And uh, really kudos for, for all those people that worked on it. Um, there was two people in particular, was uh, Joe Clapp at Ultrasound Studios, and then the second was uh, Sean McLaughlin at uh, 37. And, and he, he the, both of them, what they did just brought it to such a different level, and I was just blown away. I don't know if you're ever gonna release the original, original, or if you already have. But uh, that, no, I didn't release it, but it's still there. That yeah. would be interesting because just a comparison. Just the, it was almost inaudible yeah. when the when I very first heard it before any of the touch-ups, before any of the remaster. It was almost inaudible, but still, you know, it was crazy to hear. But you know what they did, you know, shouting out who did the remaster. It was incredible, absolutely incredible. Well, maybe that's. That's a little, maybe that's a little piece that we can do on the side. Mm -hmm. Maybe a YouTube thing for the, my channel or whatever, or yours. Yeah. Just a comparison and talking about what we did for the film, that'd be great. Well, know? I mentioned it because, you know, for, for so long when we first met, that was a real fulcrum of the whole project you were trying to get right. And then, you know, it wasn't audible. You said, it, Travis, I can't even let you listen to this. You can't hear anything. Right. And then I think it was at the, the Bridgewater public library we had that showing yep. that you first had it yep. and it absolutely just stopped me cold yeah stopped, stopped cold. everybody cold yeah uh a, a little side note as a matter of fact um my mother had heard the original and maybe she remembered it but i i happened to somebody somebody had converted it to a cd it was uh, obviously a uh, cassette tape and uh so that version from the cassette tape was put onto a CDs. There was no polishing. It was just converted. So my mother obviously had heard it. Um, and I said, oh, you know, we got this converted to a CD one night. I, you listen to this, you know. And her reaction was like, oh, yeah, okay. I, I think I remember that, you know. I brought her back a few months later after it was all complete and let her hear it. And she, she was in tears. So what that told me was that I got it right. Yeah. As, as difficult as it is, and as emotional as, as it is, my instincts for one, for what I wanted to do with it, and where it was taken was something that gave me some confirmation. Awesome. Like you said, it does stop you in your tracks.
And I thought there was a huge, poignant part of our story that had to be there. It was the only thing we had left of him. That was it. A voice that I knew was him. So, Austin, you know, you, you've heard your grandfather's voice. You've seen his story. Let's change this up a little bit. Your father's quite the talented musician. <laughs> that he is. That he is. What, what, what goes through your mind when your dad is shredding on guitar better than most kids half his age? Oh, man. Oh, well, I'd hope he's shredding better than people half his age. <laughs> <laughs> See how he gets there? <laughs> uh, oh, mercy. Old guy. Hmm. I don't know. Curb your ego? No. Uh, <laughs> no, it's, it's honestly impressive. Like, for growing up, even I remember as a toddler going to some of his, he was playing out at a couple of, uh, you know, restaurants and bars and whatnot. He'd be, oh, you should bring the kid. Uh, and uh, I'd go out and even back then I was impressed. Growing up, I was impressed. Now he's only gotten better over the years. And it's just, he has a amount of talent that is indescribable for most people now i mean you got people on youtube getting so many views and they yeah. don't have as much talent they're in their entire body as you do in your pinky finger so it's a generational then, gap come on get on it Dad. It, <laughs> is. it is i know right you know? Yeah. It's, it's definitely a generational gap it's uh you know i gotta be honest with you i'll, I'll tell you flat out i've been off and on doing this and the off is what kills you. You know, life is life. You, you're an adult. You get, you get mortgage, job, kid, this and that. You can't spend your weeks and weekends playing and rehearsing and going out and playing gigs and, and not spend time or be there as a, as a, as a father as much or, or just be an adult. There, there are things you've got to do. And um, for me, that was first and foremost important because of my situation. Um, life takes these turns and uh there were times where i'd throw myself back into it and and it was great and then guess you know it turns again and you got to just roll with the punches right. sometimes you have to put stuff aside but as you mentioned jr5 studios was a brainchild that i've had for a while that i just figured i'd try to chip away at to be honest with you i looked at it like well i was able to put a soundtrack together for my film okay um and if I was to be able to do that, what is stopping me from moving further? Right. And that's exactly what I did. You know, I slowly upgraded. I, you know, I sold a whole mess of stuff for quite a long time. Every little piece of that stuff that I sold would go to the materials just to put walls up in the studio, you know. Um, and it's still not done, but it's at the point now um, where I can actually get some decent recordings out of it. And, uh, you know, and I'm still learning, uh, but it allows me to learn and it allows me to learn at a better level. Awesome. Um, and it's probably made me as far as like, you know, I am the quintessential, you know, guitarist. That's my main thing. But it really, since I've delved into the soundtrack thing, has pushed me into a lot of different areas. So I've delved more into drums, uh, bass, keyboards. I'm not trained at any of this stuff, but, you know, I put my face into it and just did it. And, um, you know, there are times where, you know, technically it'll take away some of your time at, 
on your guitar, your instrument. It's not like riding a bike, folks. And these kids nowadays are just unbelievable in what they can do, technically. Um, but there's got to be something said for mileage and, and uh, experience. So it broadened a lot of my horizons. And uh, I think I'm all around better uh, as a musician and composer now. Awesome, you know? awesome. Speaking of JR5 Studios, we're going to head over to JR5 Studios because this is the part I'm talking about, the story. The story isn't ending yet. You have this, this gentleman, this Air Force veteran, Art O'Callaghan, who's coming and doing a song. We're going to learn all about that. Uh, I'll close with this, you know, what's going, what's the feeling now in your family and, and when you go out in the community about the story of Richard Fitz Sr.? Um, in so many ways, including what's coming up with art and, and the studio, it's just another full circle situation. Um, we are finally, there's so much coming to light uh, even after my film, um, there's always more to be told. There's more to learn. Um, and, and I think what at first was a, an idea to say, here's the film and here's the story. And finally, it's, it's always something else. It's always going to continue. There's plenty more. And I think, um, I think for now, I think it should be more. I think we're going to continue more and uh, tell some more stories, connect some more people. And uh, I think a lot of people are going to be surprised at how there's that divine intervention. Awesome. 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 I think uh, a really, uh, a really big part about 21 years of folded flag was uh, allowing some people who might be in the same position as him to show that there's others who didn't know or who might not still know um, and I think as part of the legacy and what's what's going on I think this can create a community I, I really do and I think this this is both a good thing for for us absolutely but yeah. it's it's also a good thing for the community at large of a lot of people of um, not just not just special operations missing missing in action but just missing in action in general um, and for that I think might be the Thing that I'm most proud of you about is garnering the attention to that because before this you know I don't know really who would have even paid that any thought and now you have literally around you and your movie a, a community that I've watched grow and I think that's that's incredibly impressive and you want to talk about legacy for the family and, and what that is if if that's anything you know if anything comes out of that and that's it that, that's incredible on so many different levels. Well, you know what it all comes down to is uh, there's a connection now. I'm, I'm, I'm filling a gap that, as you know, Vietnam veterans, there was a, a bit of a, a, a gap for a while, all right? And so people like yourself and Oscar Mike Radio, and you mentioned Mr. Carey and, and all these people, all these film festivals that I've gone to and met, it, it's creating awareness and people such as yourself and, and anyone that I've talked to, their willingness to just listen and then, wow, you know what I mean? They go, wow, really? That has opened up connections with people. And 
you don't want to bring back bad memories, but you don't want to forget. And sometimes there's a little gap in generation people who will just move on with their lives and they're, you know, right, rightfully so, uh, you know, focused on Iraq and Afghanistan, etc. But there's a gap. And that gap should be included with everybody. And I think this is a strong part of that. Connecting all these people and all these these uh, pieces is going to let this continue, and people are going to still give it its just deserves. Absolutely, I, I want to see that, and it's it's been a real privilege and honor being part of the story uh, to see the story come together. I'm not part of the story, but this you know my part in seeing it come together and seeing the good that it has, and you know look, we're getting ready to go off the rails to JR5 Studios. Do not go anywhere. But before we do, I just want to say thank you to, you know, Richard again for coming on Oscar Mike Radio and, and telling this segment of the story and Austin for sharing so warmly and authentically. Thank you very much. Travis, thank, thank you. Thank you, sir. And you're always a part of the story. Appreciate it, appreciate Day it. One. So don't go anywhere. We're going to transition and go to JR5 Studios. We are Mission in Flight. I'm I'm pleased to introduce on on your right, Richard Fitz Jr., Gold Star son, son of Abington, recording artist. Because this is a very special moment as we are in JR Five Studios, his studios he built to create this kind of content, and he is. And we are joined by Art O'Callaghan, Air Force veteran, and talking about the project they have done together. Gentlemen, welcome to Oscar Mike Radio. Thank you very much, Travis. Appreciate that. Art, welcome. <clears throat> Thank you. So I'm going to let you guys kind of take this and run with it, but I understand that there's a story behind why we're here and what you're doing now. So kind of take me back, and we'll start with Art first. You're, you're in the Dunkin' Donuts. Of course, we start with Dunkin' Donuts. What happens as you're in the Dunkin' Donuts a while ago reading the Boston Herald? Uh, I was reading about Rich's father, Richard Fitz, and I knew he was from Abington and he was a hometown boy. And uh, I knew he was missing uh, for a lot of years and he'd come back, he was missing for 21 years. And I read the story in the, in the Herald and how they found him and uh, it just moved me. It, it made, it did, it gave me chills and uh, and I knew I had a, a this melody in my head, so I went home and I turned on my recorder and I started playing this melody. And all of a sudden, these words came out, and it was just beautiful. Um, I don't know. I don't know what the word would be. Uh, like a song. Tribute to to MIAs. You know, um, I don't think we should ever forget about MIAs. Uh, with any war, but the Vietnam War especially, because that's the era that I was in. So what happened next after you, you, know, you go home and, and you read this? What happened during that time? I, I just started playing this melody, and the words of the words to the song that I've just written was, you know, came out uh, back when, uh, when they first discovered Richard Fitz. So how, how did you two get connected? Well, if I recall correctly, Art, uh, yeah, I put didn't, a, you, didn't you reach out to me uh, social media? 
Was yeah, it? I put it on Facebook. Okay. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, I put the song on Facebook. And we had never known each other. No. Um, no. Uh, and it wasn't until really recently that I kind of realized that Art uh, knew of at least my father. Yes, I didn't. And was it your older brother my, or sister that went may have went to school with my mother? Yes, yeah, my sister. Yeah. No, yes. none of this I ever knew. I, I didn't yeah. know until after we hooked yeah, up. Really, I didn't really put yeah. two and two together. Yeah. Uh, but there's a certain uh, generational uh, crowd yeah. uh, within my parents' age and within the local area right. that you were a part of. Um, <clears throat> so it's got a lineage connection and a, uh, not to mention a gener generational connection. Um, right. But this, uh, again, this really wasn't... You reached out to me and you actually, if I recall... It was maybe on your phone. You told me about the song. The song, yeah. And uh, I was literally uh, in the process of putting together this the studio. studio. Yeah. Um, for those of you do who don't know, uh, the film that I did, I did the soundtrack in this same basement before any of this was built. I was wow. really guerrilla tactics, you know. I. Yeah. I didn't have even power down here. I drilled through holes through my floor and dropped extension cords down just so I could have something to work with. And I, I bought myself a uh, <clears throat> DAW, a recording system, a digital audio workstation, and just put my face into it and started learning. So there was nothing here. Right. Um, but when you approached me, I was probably about halfway through. I mean, there's still work to be done, but I mean, it's, yeah. I can at least use it now and, and put out a decent product. But uh, I was probably about halfway through that. And I had suggested that, you know, that would be really cool yeah. if maybe when this is done, I can have Art come here um, yeah. and not to belittle the project or the song. But I personally thought this might be great practice, a good opportunity for this gentleman to uh, get his song recorded yeah. And a great opportunity for me to say, hey, here's a project that will allow me to take some time with it yeah. and even learn as I go. I mean, you know, I don't, I don't yeah. know everything, you know, perfectly yet either. Right. Um, but I, I thought, what a great opportunity. Um, <clears throat> go ahead. So, Art, you know, Art, what happens when you come and meet Richard for the first time? When I came to meet him? Yes. Uh, well, we just... Uh, Laid down, laid. We played for him what what we what I had, and uh, you know, and then we went from there. Uh, right. yeah. I mean, and uh, who's the other gentleman we have? Mike Mike, Mike Visconti. Yep, yeah. and Mike has got uh, he's got quite the uh, resume behind him. He's, yes, he does. Yeah, yeah he's he's, uh, he's worked with a lot of top. Without top him, without him, this song wouldn't be what it is right now. Mm -hmm. And he's kind of. <clears throat> Helped guided me along, kind of guided and, helped me you and, yeah. and, and, you know, and expanded some of your made some changes, and yeah. it just yeah. came out beautiful. Mm -hmm. So <clears throat> the first time we got together, it, I think even before that, it the whole idea and this process really started sparking some ideas and really started expanding in my mind about what it could be. I mean, at first it was just like, okay, let's hang out and try to record a song. Um, but then I slowly realized the meaning behind this. And um, the song itself is, you know, 
there's an emotion, there's a, there's a clear cut emotion in a slice of time. Right. It talks about, right. about the draft, mm -hmm. you know, the, I'm, I'm an individual dealing with the draft and then, you know, going to war and becoming, you know, non-existent. Now, now, Art, Art, were, were you drafted? No. You, you chose to serve all I chose to serve. I, I was, I was uh, married. I had a child on the way, and I didn't have a job, so I, I decided to join, join the Air Force. My brother was in the Air Force, and that's what I went in. I, I followed my brother. So. But take me back to Dunkin' Donuts. What kind of day was it? Was it just a bright sunny day? Was it? A, it was actually. Uh, it was kind of an overcast day. It was uh, kind of mildewy out and and uh, kind of downtrodden, like depressing, from what I can remember. And I just remember reading the paper and I say, you know, how much it how much it affected me. It really affected me. Like, you know, I don't. I can't remember who wrote the story. But uh, it was in the Boston Herald. And probably I, not unlike, you know, some of these old clippings that I still have, um, you know, from the paper. And I know I even have his article, the one he's talking about. Um, I have so many of them that, yeah. um, that people were kind enough to put together. But <clears throat> this is, again, it's, it, it really <clears throat> uh, attributes how much emotion there was around this story when when my father's remains came back it was such a huge story yeah. not only around here but you know people around here don't see the rest of that's right the world and, and you know that's what's right. going on <clears throat> but it really struck it's it re-sparked i think a lot of emotion yeah. with that generation well, um, we were really all brothers. Was, we were all brothers in in the yeah, same war. It was brothers a, and sisters. Uh, yeah. It was a key element, um, yeah. and it's. I think my father's name, for whatever reason, yeah, was uh, attached to a lot of that, and I guess in some ways, a good way because it re-sparked all those emotions and feelings. And there's a lot of people that told me that when his remains came back it was like now we finally can come out yeah. one guy that said you know he wore his medals for the first time since yeah he got back because wow. of the way they were treated and as soon as my father's remains came back he put his medals back on wow and went out so art, this is what i'm talking about art if you if you could tell me what was it like back then? Because, you know, I, I was, you know, not alive during that time and I've heard stories, but it's so much more impactful when the veteran tells me how the country was during that time when they got out. Well, it was a lot of unrest. It was a lot of uh, um, unrest on, on uh, the, the uh, I don't know how to put it, the uh, uh, different classes of people and different races of people. It was always, you know, um, and then with the Vietnam War, and then you had all the protesters against the war, and you know it didn't make the soldiers feel feel any good that they were out there, you know, fighting for for freedoms and that that we enjoy today. Uh, it it just stuck in our throat, you know. 
and uh, it's stuck. It's, it's a stigma that we're attached to forever, and we must never forget about missing in action the people that are missing. That's that's my goal. We must never forget. Forget about the people that are missing, you know, the the soldiers that have gone that haven't been found. There's a lot of them. You mentioned stigma. Do you feel there's still a stigma today, or is it still lingering in your your it's mind? It's lingering, but I don't think it's as bad as it was back then. No, I, I I do believe that there's a lot of respect now today, as opposed to what it was back then. A lot of people come around to uh, feel feel for the Vietnam soldier. So is this song? It, it seems to me it's more than just about a song. This is you're trying to it's heal. A feeling. Is it a feeling? Yeah. It's a deep feeling about that era. Because as, as, as you will hear, ladies and gentlemen, when the song comes out, I think you do a very good job of, of getting that feeling. So, you know, Rich, when you hear the song that Art has done, what's going through your mind? It's a picture. <clears throat> um, music to me has always been very uh, an inner visual thing. I always can create a picture of a, a yeah. moment in time and a feeling. And it's always, uh, I try my best to convey uh, the visual in in the notes uh, to what's going on. So I relate to a lot of music that way. Um, but where this is so personal, what goes through my mind is like, there's definitely an amount of pride, um, good, bad, or indifferent, my father's story inspired this type of emotion. Yep. Um, and I think there's a certain amount of closure, uh, if I might, in this emotion. There's a certain amount of victory in this uh, emotion and his song. He's recalling a time, but in the grand scheme of things, it's also... A green light now to yeah. be able to express that and uh, you know there's so many different facets here that it you know it goes in so many different directions and, and feel but the point is it all was sparked from my father and now we have the ultimate circle yeah. you know it's come full circle now because in 1989, you're sitting in Dunkin' Donuts reading this article. Who would ever thought that <laughs> this long after that, yeah. that you would be sitting in his only son's recording studio? <laughs> I know. And I never getting this song to, me to at fruition all. and completing it. Yeah, wow. That's That to me is just another one of those many things that I've talked about. Yeah that the powers to be have a way of guiding us. That's right. And it, you know, again, you can say you can't make it up, but you can't. You just, you know, that's a cliche saying, you can't make this stuff up, but it happens. Spiritually, when I was, uh, when I went home to record this song, I don't know where the words came from. I think, I think some, something came through me and it just came out and it was just, it gave me goosebumps after I, I you know, it made me. I've experienced that many times. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, and uh, <clears throat> the, the divine intervention of sorts um, 
has a way of, uh, for me, in this whole process with the film and, and everything right. else, has had a way of, uh, you know, putting the goosebumps out and just. Yeah, I'm getting goosebumps now just sitting here talking about it. <laughs> it's, yeah, yeah. It, it, there's just something about it that, uh, you know, you can't deny. Art, if you would, when did music enter your life? When did music enter my yes. life? When oh, did you God, start? I was, uh, God, when I was a kid. Um, but I never really get into it um, the way Rich has. I mean, I never had lessons or anything. I, I just, uh, one time when I was in the military, a friend of mine was a guitar player, and he was very good, and I, and I, I he bought my first guitar, and I just started picking at it and picking at it, and I've never, uh, never had a lesson or anything. And, you know, I'm not that good, but I'm all right. You sounded pretty good to me when I heard you play. I mean, it was, it was yeah. pretty amazing. Yeah. But through the years, have you maintained this love of music? And, you know, how does it feel I've, to take your love and, and make this? I've always been into music uh, from far as back as I can remember. I mean, I remember I got into music during the Buddy Holly days. You know what I mean? Back, way back in the 50s. And the day he died, I remember the day he died, my, my parents were visit, going to visit my grandfather who lived in Malden, and I was in the back seat and heard, the, heard it over the radio that he had just passed away in a plane crash, you know. And uh, that's when I first heard, heard about, because he was my idol, uh, Buddy that Holly. The, that was the same yeah. one with uh, Richie Valens. And, Richie uh, Valens the and bopper, the right? Big Bopper, yeah. Right? They were all on the same And you know who right? else was supposed to be on? It was Waylon Jennings was supposed yes. to be on that. Wow on that plane and he didn't go. Wow, wow. So you're creating this this song, which is, I don't want to use that term because it's part memory. Right. Part in the present moment to make people feel something. You're trying to communicate a feeling. And part of it's for the future so people don't forget. I guess my question is, as we kind of wind this down is, what where is where is it now in, in incubation how, how far along are you all with this project well well you can take that you can interpret that how you how you'd like um what do you think there's a there's a few things i have to iron out and uh and and get into the production of of the song to get more into it um the feeling of of that era but uh i think it's coming along great Awesome. <laughs> it's coming along great. I don't. Th I don't think it's going to be long at all before we're done with it. And, and Rich, coming back to you, I mean, you, you kind of hit on it a little bit, but you know, tell us. You, you know, you're talking to a Vietnam era veteran. You know, who was just a couple of miles away in Rockland, and now we're back in Abington doing this. Mm -hmm. You know, we've talked several times about how the film impacted you you're giving a little bit of yourself too and all that you know that went into it the pain the trauma the not knowing into this song mm -hmm. you know where are you at when you work on something like this um <clears throat> i think a lot of it uh i i have a uh i don't think i consciously knew this until i actually finished the film but i have a unique ability of turning the switch on and off um unconsciously which i didn't realize until like i said i, I stop the film um uh i think i probably do that a little bit with this um so i can focus on the big picture 
uh, I think if I, two sides of it. I think if I, if I thought too hard about it, I'd have a hard time moving forward with the music because it would get to me emotionally. Um, but some of that you have to let out. So it'll, you know, you need to bring that out. Um, but on the other side of this is we're a comfortable circle. It's very comfortable. I mean, the first time Art came here, I just had no uh, apprehension. It was very comfortable. It was like old home week in a way. It was, yeah. you know, he's so local that it's almost like a unknown part of the family, part <laughs> of the friends, part of the group. You know what I mean? Part of, you know, yeah. it just was very comfortable. Um, and regardless of generational age difference or backgrounds or whatever, it, for me, I enjoyed it right away because there was no stigma. There was no... Uh, apprehension as far as oh I have to prove something here we didn't set out to you know be like that this was organically was this simple thought uh, thought filled emotional piece yeah. it's it's not a complicated song but you don't have to have complication when you're trying to tell a story okay and that's what it's all all about. It's it's a it's a very well told story. Anybody can connect to this right away, and that's where we're at. That's what made me made this easy for me. Made it you made it easy for me. It was so right. easy to get along with. Right. So yeah. it was great. So there's no you know, like I said, it's, this is like having a buddy over. Yeah. Awesome. I'm 71 years old. You know. Get out. I'm not. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I know. I know. I said the same thing. Like, really? Yeah. Okay. Okay. I, ho I hope I, I hope I look half that good at seventy-one. Well, but thanks, I'm... but I... <laughs> you don't want my body. To... <laughs> it's not the years; it's the miles, right? <laughs> so what we're going to do now is is we're going to have Art get out his guitar, and we're kind of going to end the talking portion of this. And I'm I'm not going to spoil it for them because this is their moment. But you're going to see Art and Rich working together. And I'll do some voiceover over this clip, but I kind of want you to, to keep this in the back of your mind that even though the Vietnam War has been over for a very long time, there's still 81,000 people missing throughout all conflicts. There's several people still missing in Vietnam right now and in Laos. And the fact of the matter was it took 21 years for Richard Fitz Jr. and his family to get closure on his father's sacrifice. So I'm not going to, you know, spoil any of their work in this show, but I'm going to show you some video clips and we'll be dropping reminders to check out the song when it drops. And I want to thank you both for um, talking with me right now. Um, what are you all hoping to accomplish this afternoon? Well, <clears throat> um, I'm going to look at this session as a reminder session. Okay. Uh, sometimes you have to walk away from things um, and like a warm up again, just kind of remind yourself. It's very, it's very similar to doing an exercise, going to the gym. Um, you just kind of have to warm up your muscles again. Um, I just want to kind of revisit it um, and uh, just do some warm up. Uh, if we do some scratch tracks, we do. If we don't, we don't. I think there's a couple little experiment things that I might want to 
noodle around with, but there's, today's not a, pre a pressure thing. Um, there's other guitar parts that'll be coming in later that you know we'll worry about. So I honestly think it's just about sitting down, uh, putting the mics in front of us, and just walking through the the deal. Uh, so the more you set up and the more you get used to the surroundings, the more comfortable you get, and the more that comfort comes across in the recording. So just sitting down again and goofing around. That's all. It's a work in progress. Yeah. Awesome. awesome. Well, this is, you know, if you're listening, watching, this is number 298 as so we count down to 300. Uh, I'm with R. O'Callaghan, Air Force veteran during the Vietnam era, and Richard Fitz Jr., Gold Star son. And I want to tell you, gentlemen, I just uh, am honored to be here right now to be able to talk with you. And again, we're going to break to some clips of uh, them working together, but this will close and joy and keep checking back here for when the song actually is produced. Uh, it's going to be very exciting. So, Jim, I want to say thank you for your time. I really appreciate it. Oscar thank Mike you. Radio, Travis, love you, brother. Thank you. Thank you.